0: This has been Modern Being Human, a podcast about contemporary society. And today I'm speaking with Ernestina Ju, an artist and PhD researcher in NFT and digital sociology. Thank you for joining me today, Ernestina. Thank you. To begin with, could you please briefly introduce yourself and your research interests?
1: Sure. Hello, everyone. I'm Ernestina. And currently I'm an independent artist and also doing PhD level research in NFT and digital society. And currently I'm also an entrepreneur for Ola platform and a few different roles, including the author and podcaster for digitalization. Currently my research focuses on NFT and metaverse, related technologies and human societies, and what are the impact of our societies nowadays. So these are the few roles that I'm currently like involved in, but I'm also in a few like external positions as the honorary reporter for Korean net, Korean Culture Information Service, and also the civilian ambassador for the Korean Embassy in China as a group. Yeah, so here and there I've been working a lot like
0: recently. Uh, yeah. That's really interesting. Thank yeah. you. The thing I want to begin with is digital sociology. So apparently it's a new field and it started with the emergence of digital media. How is it different from traditional sociology? What tools from traditional sociology does it use and what new ways of explaining society does it use as well? And how is it evolving in what direction? At the beginning, we need to understand what's
1: the difference of digital sociology and traditional sociology. As digital sociology is basically based on the sociological theories or like um, philosophy sometimes behind it and built on top of it, which adding the digital part of it, the digital part that includes the technology and also different techniques that is involved in the virtual like platforms. And so if we're taking an example of digital sociology, because last year I did my master's at Edinburgh, which is specifically on digital sociology. And it was you can choose different like social platforms and you apply sociological understanding to understand the digital platforms and also how it impacts our society and at the same time when you ask the question of how is the digital sociology evolving, I think one of the examples I would say is as the new philosophy i don't know if you've heard of the new materialism as one of the new like theory that it comes out of the digital sociology, which is like evolving from sociology, like origin. These are all like incorporating as the technology is like evolving, of course, like different things, for example, the Web 2 to Web 3. As the technology evolves from there, that the sociology is also like evolving at the same time with the technology to try to incorporate it, explain it to the public. So I think that's like probably the best explanation that so far that we can come up with. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a new field, it's only been emerged for the last however years, to be frank, because not even a decade, let's be completely honest. So there are still a lot more to explore
0: and a lot more to research on. Digital identities, that's what digital sociology explores. How are they different from our real world identities or are they actually different? How does that work? And what is the real world today? Because as I feel it, it's all merging today. What is real? That's actually a good
1: question because you touch on the differing few different things. One is about the digital identity and the identity as the real identity, or we can call it the authenticity problem as are you actually the person that you are when you're in the virtual world or in the physical world? So what we're like discussing here in terms of digital identity is more coming from the uh, as before that we, for example, we're using Facebook. You will have the two D avatar as the profile pictures as who you are, and you can speak about like your daily life or post specific pictures. And this is how you're forming your life. We're basically sharing your physical life to the online platform, but at the same time, it's evolving to the if we're talking about the Web three that you might be able to win it in the metaverse. Like you will be able to have a 3D avatar that you can use your body language to imitate your like physical self, to put put all this stuff that you have in the real life and migrate it to this virtual digital platform. So that's like a transition of, before there are specific things you can convey through the 2D avatar or 2D profile. But nowadays, with the technology, you're able to use a more like overall understanding of overall portrait of who you are from a lot of different perspectives now, and is has it has a specific amount of freedom for you to express yourself, or even for as you just mentioned that you might be the same person now. Like you can completely emerge this two self, but at the same time, there's there are a lot of like, theories that or uh, sociology studies before actually talk about the identity issue in terms of the society and yourself. As golfman is one of the very famous scholars who talked about the self, the performative self, as in like when you're facing others, you're, you're actually performing as who you are and not the real self, which is like a very, it's all evolving by the end of the day, I would say. And can you actually, there are a few questions that we can actually ask. Can you actually represent who you are as you think who you are or do you think the person that you think you are is the same person that what actually other people think you are. So that's like becoming a another level of we're going very philosophical of, okay, who you are and what are the people who think you are and then what are, internet think you are and what the metaverse think who you are. So it's like all the self, the combining together.
0: Absolutely. Indeed, we do have several personalities. We have uh, social personalities. We have uh, some intimate personalities. And we can't talk about one single person with one feature. We are all multifaceted. Since you mentioned Web3, let's talk about the way the internet is evolving. This Web3, is it like a definite future or just a prediction? Currently,
1: that I want to clarify Thing that... Before we talk about Web three, that we want to clarify and emphasize on the fact that Web three is still a concept. It's not there yet. And if anybody's telling you that, okay, Web three is about Bitcoin, Web three is about this specific coin, don't listen. That's a completely fraud. And it's not about specific service. It's not about specific coins, It's not about specific transaction. Even it is a concept. So. When we're talking about, like, Web 2 and Web 3, even the Web 1, 2, 3, what we're talking about the Web 2 is mainly the social media, like, at that stage of the website, that you're able to engage with others through as a participant. But at the same time, what you're getting access to, what the information that you have every day, for example, through Facebook, they're going to recommend you some contents is completely controlled by the algorithms that is centralized system by the Facebook software. So the developers, they decide what you're gonna watch, what you're gonna comment on. And for you know, of course you have the freedom to comment on stuff, but at the same time, they're the one who's controlling it. The information is displaying. For the web three, it's another level of, currently that we say is a decentralized system that is based on Bitcoin, Ethereum, like different technologies, metaverse, and even AI sometimes, that we say it's the computer that decides. It's not any sort of centralized system or authority or government or any software company is gonna decide what you're gonna read or watch. You become part of it. What you wanna do, what you wanna gain out of it, you become like the developer, like in the process. So this is like a whole decentralized system that everything can be manipulated and everything can be constructed by you. So that's like another level of integration of, or interface.
0: It's still a concept, but who's behind this concept? Is it the entire developers community? So the concept is evolving
1: from the existence of D the, and then all this transaction uh, transactions that is currently re- uh, already occurring like blockchain mainly. actually we we say blockchain in a more general perspective because still nft is based on blockchain so who's behind this or to generate this the nft transaction let's take it for an example to generate it it requires computer of course it's going to be human who's going to design the program for the mining or the whole blockchain to for the 64 digits of nft to transact it's going to be human at the end of the day, to design it. But the process is going to be done by the machine. So when we're talking about, for example, when we're talking about the decentralized system in NFT itself, it is this automatic transaction or we call it a smart contract that is constructed by the computer, generated by the computer or the machines, like uh, how many machines, however many machines that is working at the same time. So it's not about human, not about authorities, not about anything. The process itself is what we're referring to right now.
0: Right. Since you mentioned that this new stage of internet development is about decentralization and interaction between the users, I want to talk about virtual reality and related technologies. You have a post on Medium about VR, namely about a VR documentary that allows viewers to become participants in the experience of a refugee and uh, through this relate to their life and what they actually uh, go through. Uh, do you think that's going to be a trend in art? Does it really work for the social and humanitarian field? That was actually a good question
1: about the their various application of technologies. For example, as you mentioned, the VR. Virtual reality in humanitarian aids or humanitarian participation. As I mentioned before on the blog, that personally speaking, I would say some of the applications that we can see right now, which I think is still very underdeveloped, that it requires a bit more humanitarian consideration when we're using it. So what do I mean by that? Is I use some examples in the blog as well to talk about like in the VR humanitarian actions that you would be able to wear the goggles, and then to feel, for example, it's going to be in the uh, the refugee camp, to be with the refugees and experience how they live their daily life. In a way, it is for the viewers. It is one of the ways for them to have this firsthand experience of being in that environment without any safety concerns and stuff. But at the same time, I would try to mention the problem here with the ethical issues of when you're shooting this specific video or using the technology, are you actually aware of these people who are showing up with their face appearance or when they're in the vulnerable place, are they okay to be showing like this? And do they actually have a choice to choose? Are they going to be displayed or not? If you offer, for example, if you offer any sort of money compensation, do they actually have the freedom to choose to be displayed or not? So that's like a very huge ethical question when it comes to using the technology and then working on very sensitive topics. That not only that we encourage, of course, we encourage technology to incorporate in our daily life. And of course, to promote our experience or or it's like advocating humanitarian aids through different ways. Of course, this is like a great thing. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of things that we need to consider before we do it as for the consideration of those people who need help. And I was at the same time not only this thing shouldn't be because currently the VR humanitarian movies and the documentaries are mainly from like big companies, and there are some projects that have applied for the UN and different places. So need to consider that is this turning into a big company show off, or is it going to turn into a project that the company can say, "Oh, we're involved in humanitarian actions," or this and that. We want things. To happen for a reason we want the pure like goal of as if it is about humanitarian aids we want it to happen as it is we don't want like adding this part of technology is going to add to any anything that is out of it develop any sort of branch out of it just because it's new is niche is attractive so yeah i think that's the problem that people
0: should consider where like a lot of things when we try to apply technologies i think it's same not only in the humanitarian field, creatives are just testing it. It's not widespread and they're still trying to understand what possibilities it opens. And now I would like to talk about uh, NFT. We okay. just mentioned it, but I think that many people still don't understand this technology, how it works. Could you briefly talk about its principles and uh, what it brings? So we'll first define what is NFT
1: before we dive into the topic of to understand it like fully in depth. By definition, non to token, like this is according to Wikipedia, actually, it's a unique digital identifier that cannot be copied, substituted or subdivided that is recorded in a blockchain and that is used to certify authenticity and ownership. It is a very long definition. And honestly, it, it includes a lot. But it didn't really explain, okay, why do we call it non-fungible tokens? Well, we'll start from there. Non-fungible first is first explain what is fungible and what is non-fungible. Fungible Fungible tokens are like Bitcoins, for example, Ethereum, that with one coin, it equals to another coin. One to one. It's like a simple math. Everything equals to another. But for non-fungible tokens, you have one blue avatar that equals Possibly, it could trade equals to another red avatar. So these two things are very distinctive from each other. And they couldn't, they shouldn't have anything similar as well. Because for non-fungible tokens, it's a unique trait that everything should be unique, distinctive as it contains a value. And the value itself, who defined the value? That's where the attractive part of NFT is having that. And if it NFT itself has no limits of the value. It depends on how much you want to put in and how much you think it worth. Or with the secondary market of is going to trade after the buy-in, what amount of money they're going to put in. And also another thing about NFT is it's very unique in terms of the transaction. It's based on blockchain. So basically you have 64 digits that every transaction happening And you have a very clear history of where it's going from one wallet to another. With every transaction, the original creator is able to charge for a certain amount of royalty, like for the money, basically. Which this is part of the reason why NFT is very popular in artists, because just imagine that every time when someone is trading your artwork, you can take about, let's say, two, three pounds out of it. This is very different from previous like trading system. If you're a, like traditional artist in the traditional market, that when you sell your artwork to the gallery and the galleries are like, gonna buy it, pay you a specific price, and they're gonna sell it however they want, and you're not gonna get anything out of it. To be frank, so the, this like actively changed a lot of things for and for artists specifically that when you stand out for your own artwork and you can put it on the blockchain or put it on the NFT as a very unique existence. And if people are willing to buy it, every time when they trade for it, you can get a bit of money out of it. So NFT itself originally is very beneficial for artists, but now it has also developed into a lot of different categories. It can be membership because it's unique. You can buy in for physical things to go to specific clubs with this specific unique identification. You can say that, okay, so this is me getting it and there's no way for copying it as well. Or it can be applied to any other usage that you can think of like gaming or if you go on the OpenSea, which is one of the platforms for NFT trading. They have a whole category of the stuff that they, you can trade and the stuff that you can put on for sale. So these are like the whole basic stuff of NFT. But of course, NFT is a very, a lot of people have doubts about the market, about NFT itself, especially when the headlines about the 69.3 million of the avatar, or sorry, of that specific artwork is out. Does it really worth that much? At the end of the day, NFT is still a very beginning stage of just realizing the concept currently. What we see is the concept is very valuable for a lot of applications. What it can be realized in the future is what we're looking forward to seeing more often.
0: Yes, it's opening a wide perspectives for creatives, especially. But does it have any potential risks we should be aware of? Because with the social media, it was the same thing. Facebook emerged as a platform for. Uh, communication between uh, friends and family and now we see something else it's a marketing tool it's a political tool what about nft are there any dangers associated with it when it comes to the challenges
1: of nft itself
0: one other thing i'd say is the
1: regulation is a big thing that currently that we've heard a lot of things like a lot of news before of someone registered an account like under someone's uh, under some very famous artist's name. And they're able to like, trade their artworks, which doesn't belong to them. And there's no way for you to identify at the beginning. And there's no way for the buyers, for the collectors to identify as well. So there are a lot of like very blurry thing, or I'd say very vague conditions that is applied to the NFT currently. And even for the copyright, and if people are doing the screenshot, what does it count? Or if people use it for specific usage, is it going to be a bit of a prop? A lot of the things that we're discussing and that it hasn't really got a, like an answer at all because there hasn't been like a proper explanation of this thing because it's so new and it's so novel. What we need, I'd say, by the end of the day, we would need this whole decentralized market would require a specific margin for the regulations to better perform. Cause if we just let it like go random of whichever whoever wants to post whatever it's gonna be able to do with, it's only gonna go more chaotic. And only regulations within the margin, but realizing what is happening right now that can be like very like honestly sustainable.
0: Talking about legal issues associated with NFT. So there is digital sociology. Are there any advancements in the legal field? Are there like university courses or new uh, professions emerging in the legal field?
1: Sure. It is is actually a big, like very um, important thing that these days, especially coming from digital platforms and social media that there are specific research um, groups and research departments that are, it's still under the sociology department, but as far as I know, that there are a lot of scholars that mainly focus on the conditions of, for example, when you're using the Facebook, you have the privacy settings. I know how they're using the data and how your data has been used and how they process it and the ethical issues. Ethical issues is like a big thing right now in terms of digital platforms. I think currently... In digital sociology, you will have a few different sectors that includes digital labor, digital data algorithms. And those are more of like quantitative side of the research. And of course, you have the qualitative side that you might get like, like field, for example, digital intimate relationship building or a digital platform examination. There, there are a lot of like different methods applied to it at the same time as well. Like some of the methods are already been explored for the past few years. And it's like a very early stage. And um, if I remember correctly, last, year, or actually this year in MMU, which is the Manchester Metropolitan University, that they were doing this festival of the walkthrough method. Walkthrough method, which is one of the methods that I'm currently using as well, as it is for specifically for a digital platform examination. And it was really like, first mentioned only like a decade or two decades ago, this is a very new emerging method that has been widely applied to a lot of scholars like this year so that it can even be like a festival for this specific method. But yeah, currently I think in terms of the field that digital sociology is covering, it is getting like wider and wider that not only that we're integrating data science like data IT related computer science, we're also connecting with fintech, for example, NFT that I actually just attended the fintech conference in Manchester. And we're very much integrated into the financial side and even the practical side of how to like how to use specific technology. And the first section is probably about how to use it for a specific transaction. And then the second section, of course, we're going to have to mention the social science part of it which is how it's going to impact society and human individuals. So I think it's like a very, it isn't in the process. The, the whole concept is also in the process.
0: As you said, at the end of the day, it's all about how it impacts humans and our interaction between ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. You are releasing a new book, which is called yep. Talking NFT Metaverse. Could you talk about uh, your key points in this book?
1: Next month, I'm actually going to do the resale, pre-sale, sorry, for the book, Talking NFT Metaverse, and we're going to properly launch it next year. So the book is going to start with my own experience as an artist and also a researcher in technology and art, specifically focusing on NFT and metaverse technologies. So the book in general is using a much, much more accepting, like, much easier way to explain what is NFT and metaverse and how to use it, and what are the advantages of it, what are the weakness, and as someone who's living in a society this digital era, how are you able to apply these technologies in your daily life, or how we can make use of it for us? So it is a very combines some of my research area, but I was at the same time was trying to approach it from a more like public like engaging way that we're not really restricting people from because like I've got a lot of people trying to ask me like what is NFT by the end of the day after what two years like I've got I've kept getting these questions I think it's like very important for scholars especially we're doing this sort of very frontier research about specific technology or a specific like so that we get out of things like little bubble And we're able to explain it in a much more vivid way of explaining and giving examples of how we can use it instead of only presenting paper or presenting at the conference. I find it like when I'm using a lot of theory, when I'm referencing a lot of other people's philosophy in a very academic way, it is restricting less and less people to understand what I'm actually talking about. But at the end of the day, I think like, The goal for us to do research is to be applied in the future, to be applied in our daily life in the future. If we're saying like to make a better life, that's way too broad. That's way, way too ambitious to say that. But our goal is definitely to improve our life quality in some way. That's why we're studying and that's why we're researching on it. Like
0: you said, it's really important to First, humanize the new technology, and second, raise these questions, ethical questions, and educate the audience, because it's really important to understand how this technology works and what risks it poses and what opportunities it opens for us to be able to evaluate what we can do, what we cannot do. Exactly. I also want to talk about education in digital arts, since you have a degree in digital arts. So what kind of education was that for you? And what do you think should be done in this field? How should creatives be educated? What skills do they need in the future?
1: I came from the background of digital arts as my double degree in undergrads. So I did a degree in New York, that is in the New York Institute of Technology in digital arts, BFA, and then... I did another one in China at the same time, actually. So it was digital media art, BA. So what different, like what differs from digital, from digital art to fine art? I think one of the most phenomenal thing is like, we learn a bit more of the technology, the skills, for example, the softwares. Of course, at the beginning, we'll all we'll have to learn the basic of how to, how to do art critics, how do, do sketching for example and some very practical stuff as well and the structure color shades those are the very basic things for fine art for you to like be able to understand a painting if i put it in front of it or just artwork in general so at the beginning it's all about this art history art theory a lot of the art background that you have to understand like with it but What's very distinctive for digital art is we're studying a lot of softwares that includes the whole Adobe sets, the whole Adobe sets. We actually study all. And we did the game design as well, and VR design, and 3D Maya, Cinema 4D. And at the same time, actually, my degree in China, that we include a lot of things from film production and TV production, that we would go to TV like settings, and that we would try to like use a camera try to understand the director and try to understand how to do producer even because later on it was very helpful it was very handy for you if you want to go to like different routes after digital art because it does incorporate a lot so i did actually produce a few movies after that like dedicated to dedicated to my re- like previous study and at the same time i think what what digital arts is like very engaging is that it's very much industry-related, that you're able to connect with the current VR companies, for example. That one one of my previous professors, that he had this project about the VR film, horror film, which sounds very intriguing, to be frank. Let's imagine, like, something behind you is like, going to throw a ball and scares you. And then, like, you're able to get access to a lot of different, to check out, like, different media companies. And then the current technologies, like, your current situation. By the end of it, I think, like, what is needed for you to be, like, a proper, I wouldn't say successful, like, a proper digital artist is, like, you have to do a lot of things yourself as an artist, which di- differing from some of the fine art artists. That if you're doing digital artists, if you're doing digital art, you have to understand a lot of things other than art. For example, marketing. For example, how to promote yourself. And how to use yourself out of like self-branding. A lot of the time that you become an entrepreneur yourself because you're your own company now. And you have to promote your stuff so that people can understand what you're doing because you're doing a relatively niche thing. And not a lot of people can or are capable of understanding you.
0: And my last question to you is the one I ask all my guests and it's related to the title of my podcast. What does it mean to you being modern and being human? That's a good question. I'd say like, (laughs) at first
1: it's a great name as being modern and being human. As for me, being modern possibly means more of from the technological side of that when you're keeping up with, Specific like technologies that, for example, when I first started to research on NFT or a metaverse, a lot of people like, for example, like, take an example, like my parents were not even the most convincing about what I'm doing. It's, it is a very changing society right now that we say like everything is changing within a second. A lot of things just come up within a second. If you think about it, like 10 years ago, where's TikTok or where's like, Probably everyone was still on Facebook. And back in 10 years ago, 20 years ago, do we have Eiffel? Not really. So a lot of things are changing, evolving. When things are evolving, I feel like we as humans are like a little bit afraid of what's going to happen. Is it going to replace me? As this question has been raised for the past however years, to be frank. I've heard it when I was younger even. That, oh, the machines are going to replace me one day. Oh, the sci-fi movies. That when AI go wrong and they're going to try to kill people and this and that. I think initially we're all a little bit afraid when we're stepping into a new field. But at the same time, I think being modern is that you have to kind of keep up with it so that you understand what it's about. And it's not the time to call it like total scam before you actually know what it is. Of course, if you if you know the whole definition, the whole concept, and you understand all, all the smart contract and you're like, that's a scam. Then, of course, I, I can't say anything of it. But a lot of the time I find like you have to get your hand dirty and then get engaged with this specific technology. That I told my friends, like, I asked like everyone to try out the VR goggles when it's first out and a lot of the games on it. Or even there is a prototype for uh, as my research was done like last year about metaverse dating, intimate relationship in the metaverse. When I asked them, okay, would you want to try it? Before they try it, they were like, no, I don't. Like, I honestly don't. I don't think it's like good for you to be like in a virtual world meeting people and this and that. I prefer in the physical world. But I always ask them, like, first try it out and tell me how you think about it. After they tried it out, after the experience and wearing the goggles and then putting on the sensors and stuff. After the trial a game specifically, that they were telling me that it is a great experience. It was fascinating to see like, you know, how technology can actually help you to enhance specific experience. A lot of the time, it doesn't sound attractive, but you just have to try it first. And also come to the second point of being human. I think being human, it reflects on a few points of being a human is being able to look at the past, look at the current, present, and look at the future. What I mean by that is, if we're taking a look at the past of like how technology has been evolving in our daily life, you do learn a bit of a lesson, especially the last 20 years or 30 years, that with Steve Jobs promoting this take out this little thing, little gadget. When you first don't believe in it, when iPad was first out, I remember, like only my like my parents were not really the true believer of it. But my parents, like friends, they're all like working in the IT section. They were like, yes, this is going to be the next great thing. Like looking at the past, look at the history of how it's evolving. And now like we have how many like editions of iPad and how tiny it is and some of the folding phones even. So we're looking at the past, we know the history, and then we'll look at the present of how we can apply the current technology to our daily life or society. As we mentioned like last year that when I was doing the metaverse interrelationship building, back then there were only a few softwares or platforms that allow you to be in this metaverse space to interact with others. And nowadays, there's more and more. And these companies are like actively developing and evolving with the like current news and even the World Cup that is happening right now. Like things are happening right now. And these are the stuff that we should be taking a look at it and then try to experience as much as possible. And for the future, what I mean by looking at being human for the future is we have to at least have the faith about, okay, we're able to achieve specific, specific things. We have the faith in ourselves of, for example, when you ask me, so who's behind all these like contracts? Who's behind these algorithms? and so, Of course it's going to be human. We're the creator for a lot of things. We create an original programming programs so that the machine can understand it so that like later whatever is going to happen so by the end of the day i think it's all about the faith of believing in whatever is happening right now and believing in the future that more things like in the whatever like 10 years or 20 years i don't even know how my phone is going to look like I hope it's not going to look like that different from now because I won't be able to keep up with it in the next 20 years. It's like when you have the imagination of like, you know, one of the first things I always tell people about metaverse when they ask me, do you think it's going to work? Do you think it's going to meta is losing their employees and a lot of companies are not go- doing so well, especially this year, 2022. I always say metaverse is this... Unified platforms that allow your imagination to go wild and realize it. You don't have to believe in Meta as the previous Facebook to realize it by the next, for example, when they sell by the next five years. Personally, I hardly see it coming in the next five years because this is a massive project. But all I'm asking is it is going to be in a whole different experience for you to expand your imagination and your identity and space and the interactions and everything you're going to experience. And let your imagination go through. Don't let this pessimistic thoughts, like trying to form you, forge you into this like eggshell that you're not willing to explore. You need to have a bigger vision of what's going to happen and let it be free and let it happen. As we always say, everything is about art, as as I always say. Let your artistic expression out. And you're going to feel a different world. Like this world is more than just a physical being. You're right. going to realize whatever you think is. Your, your thinking, your thoughts can be art as well. And Metaverse or NFT or anything, let's say MFT, that, that's going to next thing. It's going to be one of the tools for you to
0: realize one of those arts that you have. Absolutely. After all, it's all about knowledge, education, and uh, being open-minded. As we all have to learn every day, especially at our age that is so fast-paced. And uh, there are so many technologies that are evolving every day. (laughs) Thank you very much for this uh, profound conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to Being Modern, Being Human on one of your favorite platforms not to miss new episodes. In the meantime, stay safe and have a good time.